Recording in progress. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast, Noel Kassler Podcast, episode 68. I'm here with my trusty Martin 0017. 1947 that's uh that's a rare guitar i don't break that out often but uh break it out often but for you guys what the heck it's got a nice tone all mahogany body got it after my first jackson brown tour when i had a little money in my pocket and that's what of course jackson plays he turned me on to those beautiful instruments and they're very playable and very fun and they've become very popular these days they used to be cheap as far as vintage martins go but anyway and that's a relative term as some of you may know but anyway welcome back episode 68 what a week um last week we had the two hearings they were unbelievable we had the cancellation of the one hearing which we still don't really know why and i think you might have lost a little momentum but you know, pretty much bombshells across the board. To, to hear this stuff put into words, put into the congressional record that Trump was basically weaponizing this mob to intimidate Mike, Mike Pence into overturning the election results, it, it really can't be stated enough. You know, it, it's so crazy. It's so beyond the pale. It's so much worse if you know who Trump is or if even done a cursory glance at the history that the man had in New York City before he became president of the United States and before he became a reality show star. I mean, that was the first inexcusable thing was that NBC gave this guy such a platform and so many people went along with it. It still bothers me and it boggles my mind. And this is the result. You know, this is what you see. When I started speaking out, I was always worried that he would start World War III and in many ways, he sort of did. You know, it just it began with a civil war. And I think we're in sort of a soft civil war in this country. Fascism is on the march. You know, it, it's a literal talking point for GOP candidates. You know, uh, last weekend you had these, whatever you call them, Aryan Front, Aryan Youth, National Front. I don't even know what their name is. These silly guys in the khakis, you know, with the polo shirts and the masks. The same guys that were beyond behind Charlottesville and the unrest and murder of Heather Heyer, Heather Heyer down there. These same guys, these Patriot Front or whatever they're called, showed up in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, last weekend, right? And they wanted to attack a pride parade. They wanted to visit violence upon a bunch of peaceful people that were there to celebrate the normalcy of their lies, lies right? The, the acceptance and just sort of taking pride in the fact that gay men and women, you know, lesbian women, of which I, my mom was a lesbian, right? So I grew up in that culture to some extent. And long before there were like big pride marches, right? And, and rainbow flags everywhere. It was sort of on the DL in the 70s and 80s because there was so much discrimination against that community that now you're finally able to come out of the shadows and enjoy your rights, your hard-won rights, and celebrate a little bit in the sun, and you got a bunch of idiot Nazi wannabes trying to bash your head in, right? 
It's beyond the pale. And it's, it's now the platform of the GOP. Bigotry, hatred, Ron DeSantis, you know, Governor Abbott. These guys are introducing legislation against transgender children. They're trying to punish the families that are just trying to provide for the ones they love, you know, with normalcy. Because that's what it really is. If you grow up around this stuff, if, if you're lucky enough to have a gay parent, you, you, you understand the banality of it all, right? Families are families. There's a lot of dysfunction and strife that has to do in families. None of it has to do with your sexuality, right? None of it. It has nothing to do with how well you can parent somebody, how much love and support you can provide in a household. It has nothing to do with who you choose to love. And I thought that was something we had figured out as a people. You know, that's what we were celebrating when, when, when gay marriage was legalized. We were celebrating it's about goddamn time. And now here we are. We have these troglodytes trying to turn it back for political gain, right? And they're getting these dumb young men that are just so desperate to belong to something that they'll stand in the back of a rider truck with 31 of their buddies, you know, ass to elbow and get ready to go bash somebody that they think is different and doesn't belong here. It's the height of insanity and it's spreading and it's dangerous. And, you know, we have to stop it. We have to call it out. And I believe these hearings are a big part of that, right? These hearings are about reminding people exactly what happened because they're trying to whitewash it, right? The big lie is now the main bullet point no pun intended, in all these GOP candidates, right? These same guys that are posing with AR-15s in their campaign commercials are running on the big lie. Send me to D.C. and I'll make sure Trump is your president again. That's crazy. There's people clapping and cheering on a return to authoritarianism, and they're motivated by hate, by greed and resentment that's stoked right? It, it's, it's like a fire that you just gently nurture. You make sure the coals get hot enough and then you blow on them a little bit and then you get a bellows and you get the flame bigger and you put another log on there. That's what Fox News is doing. That's what all these politicians that are doing are doing that keep upping their game, right? Ron DeSantis is tripping over himself to become the lead fascist, right? He wants to be the lead dog in the pack Right, pulling the sled of hatred across the hearts and minds of Americans. That's what he's doing. He had a press conference last week where he was asked how he feels about Elon Musk's support, because Elon is a chaos agent, obviously, and another bad actor who's now throwing in his lot with DeSantis. And somebody asked DeSantis how he felt about that, and he goes, oh, I'm happy to get the support of an African-American to chuckles with the folks that are standing on stage with them. They're laughing about apartheid, you know, one of the major blemishes in the 20th century, just a disgusting, horrific thing. They're making fun of it. Nelson Mandela spent decades in prison fighting for what was just, and this fat, bloated, greasy, slimeball, 43-year-old politician named Ron DeSantis is going to make a joke about apartheid. Guys like that wouldn't last a second if they were on the other end of that kind of, of systematic racism and punitive, you know, 
legal systems and governmental systems. They wouldn't survive. They're not made of the metal that they try to make fun of in others. Ron DeSantis is a prep school punk who went to Yale, who went to Navy JAG school, whose job as a Navy lawyer was to advise people torturing others at Gitmo and in Fallujah, where he was assigned to the SEAL teams to make sure they stayed within the bounds of the Geneva Convention when they were torturing enemy combatants, dudes that they'd round up in these towns and torture to get information out of, in a war that we all agree had nothing to do with 9-11, right? It was Dick Cheney and Halliburton trying to make a buck. I think that's a widely accepted fact on either side of the political equation these days. And that's not to indict the people that went there to fight it. They had no choice, you know, and a lot of them signed up with good intent, but th their government sent them in a BS war based on false pretenses, and guys like Ron DeSantis were the slick lawyers in the leadership to make sure we could do all kinds of horrific things in the name of patriotism in the American way and not get in trouble for it. He thinks that kind of stuff is cute, and nobody calls him on it, and you can see the same sadism in how he's governing Florida. And I'm bummed at the amount of pushback, or lack of pushback, rather. You know, I tweet about him all the time, and I know there's a lot of good people in Florida trying to turn it black back blue, right? And it was always sort of the battleground state in modern times, but it's not turning back blue when a guy like that is able to do what he does and there's not a sort of massive uprising against him. There's so much New York money in South Florida. I don't hear any of these guys saying, I'm selling my house in Palm Beach. I'm out of there. You're not doing this. I mean, he's got Nazis marching in the streets in South Florida. There's tons of very smart, very wealthy Jewish people that spend a lot of time in South Florida. And I don't hear those people protesting. They're not taken to the streets. They're not really pushing back against him, which is a way of condoning it. So thinking that Florida is going to somehow turn back blue when it's under the throes of a dictator, that's, that's a bet I wouldn't want to take because DeSantis has his eyes on the national stage because there's nothing to tell him that what he's doing isn't working. And as I said last week, the effect of these hearings, and it'll be a good thing, may be to hobble Trump to the extent that he can't mount a viable campaign in 2024. But that's only going to benefit DeSantis. He's going to step right into that void, and he knows it, and he's preparing for it. And the establishment will trip over themselves. The, the GOP establishment, the Fox News, New York Post, Murdoch-owned properties that are making a fortune off of the dumbing down you know, and, and, and sowing enmity in American hearts and minds of these stupid white people in the suburbs who've just been fed bullshit for so many generations that they're too stupid to figure out they're being lied to are going to eat it up with a spoon, right? So Murdoch and these guys know that. And when they endorse DeSantis, which they've ostensibly already done, you can see the tide turning against Trump, and I think he can feel it too. Happy birthday, by the way, Donald. And uh, his birth, he turned 76, and if you saw his bloated visage in any of the pictures that came out this week, he's got every year on his hide, you know? But uh, guys like that live forever for some reason. But anyway, not that I'm wishing him any harm, but uh, my point is they're going to turn against him. 
and they're going to find a slicker version, and that's going to be Ron DeSantis. You know, and it won't be an Elise Stefanik that he chooses as his running mate. It'll be somebody slicker, so she's wasting her time throwing in her lot with him and joining the fascist movement, but she's willing to do it. A Harvard-educated prep school lady from Albany who knew better, who was anti-Trump in 2016, is now kissing his ass to get a piece of that hate because the hate sells, right? The hate is profitable in that part of America. And she's turned upstate New York. If you go north to Albany, you're, you might as well be in Alabama, Okay, guys got Trump flags, Confederate flags outside of their houses. They got the pickup trucks. They got the guns. It's everywhere. It's everywhere because there's money to be made. You know, the gun issue and abortions will be the two issues that set off this sort of soft civil war. And the gun companies aren't cowed by the recent mass shootings. I just saw an ad this week for another basically AR-15 style weapon that's like a pistol. It's easier to hide. And they're marketing it on the fact with a Bible quote, right? They got a guy with a Bible quote on his forearm holding the weapon, and they say this is to, you know, be an equalizer against the right-wing or the left-wing radicals that are trying to take away your Second Amendment rights, right? So they're tying it in with this Christo-fascist ideology, arm yourselves you're a warrior that's so dangerous that's how all of terrorism begins terrorism is getting young disaffected young people right to do really bad things because their lives suck and they get some charismatic leader who comes along and says do this you know and you'll be better off follow me channel that rage and hatred into fighting the other and history is littered with unspeakable crimes that men who've been able to manipulate those types have gotten away with. Essentially, they get away with it till they don't. And you've never had it the way it is now, right? Because it's never been so industrialized. Hitler didn't have Twitter. He didn't have online social media 24-7. He didn't have YouTube. He didn't have people wanting to join up with that, being marketed hate, being marketed guns that they can buy on credit when they turn 18, no money down. That's crazy. That's never happened before, and the world hasn't seen it. And it's also motivated by the folks that are pushing that don't want you to really focus on what you should be, like climate change, right? And economic disparity, the fact that billionaires are controlling most of the wealth in this world right now. And you're not going to have a fighting chance to even get near them unless we do something about it quickly. That's what they're trying to get people to not pay attention to with the smoke screen of liberals and communists are coming to take away your rights and your guns. No, they're not. They're coming to try and give you health care and get your dumb ass and education at an affordable price. So you don't have to work at Taco Bell on the midnight shift in your town that's been pillaged by some corporation that polluted your land and then moved off seas to appease a shareholder's profit margin. That's what you're dealing with. You know, it's like George Carlin said, the American dream is a scam. I'm paraphrasing him. I don't want to steal his punchlines, but right, he was right. He was prescient in saying that. 
Howard Zinn says the same thing. You read the People's History of the United States, it's the same scam that's been run since the industrialists. But at least those guys would pay for a museum or something, put a theater in your town so you could get a little joy in your, in your life. MAGA's just like, hey, go to a rally. Cheer me on. Cheer on a 76-year-old drug addict in Pampers up on stage talking about Hillary Clinton in 2022. <laughs> right? That's what they're giving people. Anger and belief in something better than their lives are now. But they're not giving them real progress. They're not giving them real nourishment. They're not giving them real hope. They're giving them hate. Hate that can be weaponized, that can be called to action. And that's what the January 6th trials were, or hearings are, right? I wish it was a trial. It's a hearing. This is all just public record stuff anyway. There's no real stakes here. Yeah, they'll turn it over to the you know, Justice Department and Merrick Garland will fall asleep on it, run out the clock, and then go back to the country club and get speaking fees at the Federalist Society because there's too much money in that establishment, right? You saw it with John Eastman. He tried every way to do a legal runaround and, get, and talk Pence into not certifying the election results. And then what happened after the attacks, after he ran out of options? He lawyered up and pleaded the fifth. That's what they showed us in the, in the third hearing, right? He pleaded the fifth. He said, ah, I plead the fifth, never mind. And then he asked for a pardon because he knew what he was doing was illegal, but he also knew the same system that he was molesting and exploiting would protect him because he was a wealthy white man who could afford to put an attorney on retainer. And that's what a lot of this is. It's illuminating the injustice in the system that was designed to protect the wealthy Whites, right? That's what our electoral college is. Wealthy white landowners can have as much power as however many minorities can amass on the coasts and in big cities. That's what it comes down to. That's why we don't have more progress. And that's why we're still able to weaponize these idiots. And that's what Trump did. He put Pence in the crosshairs. That's what his tweets were. You know, while the Capitol was being attacked, it came out in the last hearing, and people are begging Trump to call him off, including people calling Mark Meadows from the Capitol saying, we're going to get killed here. Please tell the guy to stop. He didn't. He doubled down and said, hey, they're pissed because Pence isn't doing the right thing. He just wanted to take it. Trump is a guy who's never heard no. That's why he's a sexual predator, because he attacks people if he can't get them and women. And he's never been held accountable. He attacked a famous woman that he knew in a dressing room at Bergdorf Goodman and then walked back to his office three blocks down Fifth Avenue with impunity because he knew he would get away with it. And God bless E. Jean Carroll for keeping the fight going with that. But that's who this man is. You can see that in his psyche. Oh, I lost the election. All right, well, I'm just going to attack them or I'll attack my vice president or I'll get a crazy drunk lawyer like Rudy Giuliani. You know, to make a bunch of mess on the TV. Buy me some more time so I can grift. Because it's all about the grift, too. You know, it's about the ego and filling that giant hole inside of him. And then it's about supporting all the guys that come around him and feed off him like little feeder fish. You know, trying to eat the pus off the, you know, skin of a whale as it swims through the ocean. 
right? That's what all those lawyers and scumbags and people like Mark Meadows are. They just show up to make a buck. And Trump made $250 million off the Stop the Steal emails that he sent out 25 of a day and never started a pact. He never started a legal fund to stop the steal. He just kept the money and used it for his own good. He gave event planners or whatever they're called $5 million for the staging and stuff for the January 6th rally. I worked in production for 25 years. I guarantee you he was money laundering that, right? He was getting a kickback. That was not a $5 million stage, I promise you, right? So some of that gets kicked back to him. He gave Kim Guilfoyle $60,000 for a three-minute introduction, right? She's not worth that. Some of that goes back to you know, Eric Trump or Don Jr., whichever one, Don Jr., right? Buys him a couple eight balls or a couple ounces, right? It's all a kickback. He gave Mark Meadows a bunch of money. Anybody who plays ball gets rich around him. That's how you make a mob, right? You have a family boss, and then he got like capos and lots of little families and associates, and everybody gets in on the criminality because they're all getting a cut of it. That's what Trump was. That's how he directed January 6th. Right? It was a mob hit. That's why he said to Pence, if you don't, you know, not certify the results and keep me president, I can't be friends with you anymore, Mike. What he meant by that was you won't have my protection. You're not going to be a made man if you don't do what I say. And I can't promise what's going to happen to you. That's that old mob adage. Hey, it's a really nice, you know, car you got there. Be a shame if something happened to it. Right? You don't pay them off. They come and, you know, throw a Molotov cocktail through your business and burn it down. It's an age-old thing. That's what they've done forever. It's simple economic brutality. It's mob-style violence, using violence and intimidation to make people pay up or bend to your will. It's gangsta. It's base. It's deplorable. And it became the governing philosophy of the second major party in the United States and a lot of other people fed into it that's why Elon Musk is so attracted by it right that's why that whack job is using his Twitter to promote sort of authoritarianism rule and you get you know guys like Eric David Yang, whatever Andrew Yang you know saying we need a third party these are all just spoilers like Tulsi Gabbard we had a spoiler Russian op two of them you know, Tulsi Gabbard's definitely a Russian op. Andrew Yang is just something wrong with that dude. But both of them were on the Democratic stage in the last primary. That's insane. And then the guy was allowed to run for New York mayor, who had no business being mayor. And then the next day, he's like, I'm not really a Democrat. Screw the Democrats. It's time for a third party. And they're going to siphon off votes to weaken the principles that protect you in a democracy. And you have to look at why people are doing that. And that's if you can connect the dots and look at the big picture. You know, on a macro kind of level, you can understand what was at play here and why Trump was so comfortable making these orders. I mean, right up until the end, he's sitting in his little private dining area off the Oval Office, having some meatloaf, watching the Capitol get attacked, having people tell him left and right, please stop it, make it stop. And he's like, nope. Pence deserves this. Hang him. That's basically what he tweeted. 
And then when they finally begged him and cajoled him into making a video message for these sweaty mob bearded boneheads, he said, we love you, you're beautiful people. That's another mob message. Hey, you're still part of the family. I'm going to need you again. But for now, they're making me say this. So wink, wink, go home. And what happened? They all got to go home. They all filed out of there like they were leaving a concert. No fear. They went back to their D.C. area hotels and had drinks at the bar and high-fived, talked about how they put their feet up on Nancy Pelosi's desk. These guys were filming it as they did it. They were taking selfies, right? That's scary. That's scary that one man backed up with a whole lot of people in the shadows was able to pull this off. And when you really think about the infrastructure behind it, the Koch brothers, the Mercers, Leonard Leo, you know, it's sobering because... As I said at the top of this, that establishment is still in place. The Heritage Foundation, the Federalist Society, that's who's training these lawyers. Right? You got nine Supreme Court justices, right? Five of those dudes are full on drink the Kool Aid fascists. Ginny Thomas was one of the main purveyors of January 6th, literally one of the organizers. If that was an event like I would work on, like we'd do a big Rock and Roll Hall of Fame concert at the Garden, she would have been executive producer, okay? She would have had her own office and would have been a shot caller for the amount of involvement she had, right? She, she emailed 27 state senators in Arizona or something like that, state reps. She was reaching out to everybody. They had a phone bank in the White House. They were calling people in Wisconsin and all these swing states saying, please change your vote. Please don't certify those Biden votes. I have it on good authority that you're within your legal bounds to do this. This was all per John Eastman's memo and Giuliani. And then they had staffers calling up people in other states that thankfully didn't do it. Some of them did it, and there was fake electors and, you know, the Green Bay sweep and all this. But for the most part, these folks in these other states who, who it shouldn't have fallen to, to, to make these decisions, made the right decisions. And, and by that I mean, like, it shouldn't have come to them to be these constitutional scholars trying to figure out if they were in their legal bounds to do that. But it did, and they did the right thing that time. This week in New Mexico, or last week when you're hearing this, a woman refused to certify the Democratic victor in a primary because she says, I don't trust voting machines. They can be hooked up to the Internet and manipulated, which is complete nonsense, right? But she was able to say, based on my feeling, I'm not going to certify those results. And now the state Supreme Court has gotten involved and they're asking them to do it immediately. But game that out 50 times, you know, in the next election. And that's what you're going to see in November of this year. And then in November of 2024, you're going to have the same circumstance. And will this republic survive that when it's backed up by violence and chaos? That's the blueprint that Trump has established. And that's how far this web has gone of deceit, that it's worked its way into these people that have gotten themselves into these local positions of power. And that's where, you know, it's like in football, they say the game is won by inches or whatever. 
you know, it's the ground game, running game, whatever. You know, you just got to keep making a little bit of incremental progress. Think of it like in that analogy, if it makes it easier. They're making a lot of progress in the meantime, in the year and a half that we're waiting around for justice, that we're waiting for, you know, Merrick Garland to do something. They're building an army that'll attack and protest and do all kinds of crazy, chaotic, distracting things when they don't get the result that they want. And they'll have people at the state level that are like, nope, I'm not certifying the results. And you have people running for governor saying they won't do that, right? Doug Mastriano in Pennsylvania is like, yeah. He was one of the Stop the Steal guys the first time, by the way. He was one of the guys who wanted you know, Trump to stay in office, right? But he said, if I'm governor, Trump will be your president again. That's crazy. And people are buying that shit. And the people that are buying it have an inordinate amount of power, right? Because the normal people don't want that shit, right? I was in Philly last week, had a wonderful show at the city winery. I doubt I met any actual Trump voters in my trip there. And you're right. Well, I was in Philly, right? I wasn't in like, you know, meth plains, you know, fucking whatever, you know, valley, Lehigh Valley, whatever, you know, no offense. <laughs> you get my point. Like I wasn't in those places I've been, you know, I used to go out to Latitz, Pennsylvania, which is where the Clare brothers are uh, headquarters. They do a big music, like live events kind of stuff, all the sound guys and stuff. And you drive to these towns and Latitz is a beautiful town. I'm probably butchering the name, but it's a great town. There's so many beautiful towns in that Dutch country PA, but you drive down the highways and every other store is a cigarette store, discount tobacco or a gun shop, right? And all the billboards are Bible quotes, right? That's all poison, man. The people behind that stuff are exploiting these salt-of-the-earth good people that have been left behind in many ways for generations by an American dream that they believed in, that they sent their sons and daughters to fight foreign wars for, and they got screwed by people like Doug Mastriano, by people like Dr. Oz, a dude who lives in New Jersey, who's practically a billionaire, whose wife is from a vast fortune, the Asplunda company that also contributes to Trump's campaign, right? Dude was born in Ohio, lives in New Jersey and Palm Beach, Palm Springs, whatever. Palm Beach, the one in Florida. And he's running for governor or for senator in Pennsylvania. And he thinks all I got to do is bitch about gas prices and hold up an AR-15 and these idiots will vote for me because I've been on the TV, which was the other drug Trump knew was irresistible. And at the top of the show, I said it was inexcusable that we made a star out of this man already knowing what we knew about him. And TV production knew by the Miss Universe pageant that he was a scumbag because he'd done a bunch of shit on set that he never should have gotten away with, but he did. Because there's money to be made. And if I can make any point to you guys, that's the one I'm stressing over and over. Look who's making the money off of this. Even the guys that oppose it. It's a lot easier to go along with something than it is to make waves. That's how injustice continues. And that's what you have to stand up to. This is a moment in everyone's life where you have to say, you know what? Am I willing to give up some of my comfort to make the world a better place? Because now's the time. 
It's like Bob Dylan said, you know, if, if you're not part of the solution, get out of the road. Get out of the way. We're coming up on that. This is not the time to just sit back and be entertained and politics is too divisive. I don't want to get involved. It's going to be too late if you don't get involved. You're going to wish you had later on. And if you can't figure out the political, you can figure out the environmental. You can understand that it isn't normal for thousands of cows to drop dead in Kansas as they did this week because it's too hot. So next time you go get a $3 hamburger, you can think maybe this isn't the best thing to be doing for the planet. You know what I'm saying? There's no amount of actions that you can take right now that don't have effects that, that ripple out on a global level, right? Don't leave the AC on when you leave the house. Turn it off. Turn off that light when you walk out of a room. Don't put Roundup on your grass. Don't run a weed whacker and a lawnmower five times a week. You know, pitch in. Don't take superfluous trips. Be economical in your actions and you'll create mindfulness. You'll create a deeper understanding and connection to the earth. I promise you. It happens like by accident. You're not even aware of it. You know, it's like meditation. You become aware of your breath and all of a sudden you're more present. And when you're more present, a solution arises of its own. You tap into a deeper wisdom just by doing the right thing. And, and the right thing doesn't even mean action, right? I, I'm talking about your individual choices, but your choice could just be being. You could just be like, I'm going to sit still and get good with that. You know, I'm not going to distract myself. I'm going to go in as deep into the present moment as I can to see what's there. And if you do that, things will unfold and a path will kind of come out in front of you and it'll be apparent what you're supposed to do next. And that's the wonderful thing because then you become part of something bigger than yourself. Then you become part of service, right? It's like when you get sober, I always use this analogy because it's the easiest one to really grasp and why it works so well. But the basic philosophy is you quiet your mind and trust God, right? And then you clean house. You own the stuff that you've done wrong, right? And you do honest amends to make it right. So you can stand up straight. So you're not tortured with regret, you know? So the past is something that informs who you are, but not something you dwell in. And we've all made mistakes. We've all been over consumers in one way or another in this society. But when you get right, you, you feel better about yourself, you feel lighter, and you think, you know what? I could help somebody else. Like, I am useful. I do have self-esteem, right? You build self-esteem by doing esteemable acts, which is another tenet that you can come across in recovery. You know, and I only say the recovery stuff. I'm not proselytizing for that. I'm trying to say that, like, People who work the 12 steps, I've seen like, you know, guys that are not exactly like the types you would see in a, in a robe chanting in some Buddhist temple somewhere, you know, like firemen and cops and mechanics and, you know, folks that seem rather simple from a philosophical standpoint. And I'm not saying that to denigrate these people. I'm trying to say, you know, like everyday people become enlightened 
just by doing the right thing. And by enlightened, I don't mean some metaphysical Buddha thing. I mean just changing who you are and changing your personality to the extent that you become useful, that you become somebody who doesn't give in to anger and resentment and hatred, but somebody who's always there, even keeled, ready to help the world and make it a better price, place, and ready to own their mistakes, you know, ready to do something about it when something goes wrong. You know, that's the way to be. I had to pick up this guitar again. You know, we're talking about guitars. This guitar was made in Nazareth, Pennsylvania in 1947, most likely by a woman, right? Because all the boys were just coming home from overseas, and many of them didn't come home. It grew up probably not far from where this guitar was built, right? But people went to the factories. They made industry happen again. Women were called upon to do things they hadn't done before because the men weren't around to do it, and they did it with no complaints. They rolled up their sleeves, and they went to work, and they built this country. They made it a great place, and they made products like that. That Martin guitar is 75 years old. And it sounds better now than it did the day it was built. And we can do the same thing. Nothing is beyond redemption, right? But it's built correctly. There's no shortcuts. It's simple, but it's solid. And that's the foundation I'm talking about when I talk about recovery and things, right? No BS. You can't buy your way out of certain problems. You have to make a fundamental, solid foundation of which you build upon right? And a house built on a faulty foundation falls apart. And that's what these guys are trying to do to America, right? They're trying to screw up the foundation so nobody knows what's real and what's not real anymore. My facts are different from your facts. You're on the other team. I can't like you or listen to you. That's not how it works. You know, a business that doesn't do an honest inventory of its saleable and unsaleable goods is a faulty business that's not going to go anywhere. And that's what certain people are trying to wish upon this country. That's what they're trying to do, right? They're trying to like, you know, poke holes in the foundation and the fabric of who we are as Americans. And we don't have to accept it because it's our country. It's not theirs. And the things that we celebrate, the things that bring us together, those are the things we need to become more aware of and we need to proselytize about and become purveyors of humanities, art, music, sports, you know, religion in the extent that, you know, you, you worship and take time out of your life to reflect on the things that are meaningful to you and your family and your community, not religion in the sense of like, we're Christians and we're coming to kill y'all, you know, and Kyle Rittenhouse is like a little baby Jesus. Not that. That's a cult. <laughs> That's bad shit. Jesus would not be a Trump supporter. I promise you. You know? But spirituality, you know, connecting to something bigger than yourself and looking out for others, there could be no loftier goal to have in your lifetime. You know, my dream for this world is like every kid 
to go to sleep tonight with a full belly and a safe place to live, you know, with the wonder of being alive. Just being alive is good enough. Every creature on this planet that's a sentient being is trying to help you, you know, besides people that have become so divided in their minds. The things that are in touch with something greater are all performing a service, right? An earthworm is moving through the earth and processing the earth through its very flesh for us, taking out impurities, you know, taking out the kind of things that we leach into the ground, making the, the soil healthy for crops and flowers to grow and nourish people and life and animals. You know, and it could all be such a celebration, just such a wonderful thing. It's great to be alive if you really get in touch with the present moment. It's a miracle. It's a miracle that birds sing. You know, you get these billionaires that want to go to outer space. Like, what? If you went to Mars and discovered a chipmunk and brought it back, people would be like, oh my God, it's a space chipmunk. Look at this thing. This is the craziest thing ever. Can you believe it? It would be world news on every newspaper. Here, they're everywhere. And a thousand other creatures just like that. Right? You ever seen a toucan? That's crazy. It's crazy that that exists. It's a miracle. Colors are a miracle. Colors or something to be like, oh my God, do you see the color in that flower? How can you not believe in a God or a greater wisdom or joy or love? It's all love, man, reflecting it back to you. This world is rooting for you and rooting for us, even those that have fallen the lowest among, among us, right? But you have to be honest. You have to be aware to partake of it. You know, you have to find forgiveness for yourself as well as others to get in touch with these things, to really bring them into your life. And you can do it right now. You know, that's the good news. To bring it back to the recovery, you know, conscious contact with a higher power is what you're striving for all throughout the day in all of your affairs. And that's good news. That means you can get it right now. It doesn't have to be this long process. You don't have to go live in a cave in the Himalayas. You can turn off this podcast, go sit outside right now, feel the ground under your feet, take your shoes off, feel the cold grass or warm grass on your feet. Be aware of your feet. Be aware of your body. Be aware of your breath going in and out. You know, be aware there's more there than your thoughts. There's something beyond your thoughts. You know, there's a real presence. And you tap into that, the sky's the limit, I promise you. So I know that was a lot. I know that was a bit of a rant. That's where I'm at. We had a lot of stuff to wrap up. You know, I'll try to get into some more entertainment stories at some point. I'm going to be at Cape Cod, the, the music room it's called, in West Yarmouth, Massachusetts on August 3rd. That's going to be a fun show. Still getting in touch with people who came out to see me in New York and Philly. It was such a privilege to perform for you guys and share in the thing that we share. And as I said, when you're online, you know, and, and, and people interact with you, it's, it's digital. You know, like everybody's got an avatar and a picture of their dog or something. It's, it's not the same thing as looking into someone's eyes and, and, and they say thank you. 
you know, and you say, thank, what, what are you thanking me for? I'm grateful that you came and gave me the privilege of getting on stage for you for an hour, you know, and clapped and laughed because it makes me feel like we're all moving together. We're all moving forward in this thing, you know, so get out and do that. You know, there's a, the Tony Awards I talked about last week, they, they were miraculous. You know, I've worked with a team of people that have put that show on for 25 years and I couldn't be prouder of the job they've done. And they were all, you know, reveling in it this week online, my friends on Facebook and stuff. And the ones I talked to, the host was a crazy good Ariane DeBose. I, I probably got her name wrong. She's new to me. You know, she obviously has won an Oscar and stuff. I, I'm not with it anymore since I'm out of that side of the business, but she was wonderful, right? And it was diversity. It was something different. It wasn't an older white guy hosting, you know, or a woman. It was a young woman of color who killed it, who had a comfort and an ease and a freshness that she brought to it that was so engaging. It was hard to describe. And for you guys listening who don't understand how hard that job is, it's really hard to host any live show. To host the Tonys is the hardest of all, okay? We do a dress rehearsal the morning of and then the whole show that night. And then there's a local hour before you even do the network three hours, right? So you're doing a four-hour live broadcast with full costume changes, with a thousand moving parts, with entire Broadway casts coming in to do their segments. In the morning, then going back and doing a matinee in the theater, then coming back at night to perform live on TV. If you don't know how many logistical landmines are in something like that, <laughs> it's hard to even describe it to you. So the pressure cooker is immense, and to be still be doing it with the kind of love she had in her eyes and the kind of just spirited, I'm right here with you, isn't this fun? That's a rare, rare talent and a rare gift and thank god we got to see it and it was celebrated i gotta call it out when you see excellence you call it out and that's what diversity gets you you know that's why i'm always like what do you want the same old thing for try something new and see how good it is see how good it tastes and then you have a new favorite you know life is a buffet man every culture that you think you're against is got something to give you it's like waking up on Christmas morning and being like, I don't want those presents. I only want this one thing from that one person and nothing else matters. That's a dumb way to live your life, okay? Ice cream's got a lot of flavors, but it's all sweet. That's how life is, man. Get out there and enjoy it. Celebrate diversity. Take pride in whatever differences you have and know that that's a gift that you get to share with the world. It's like the analogy I always make about a fish, right? You see the scales on a fish underwater? The fish looks gray. Maybe it's got a gray black streak running down its side. And then the light catches it and it turns into a rainbow. And one of those scales is yellow and one's orange and one's red and one's blue. One's greenish. And you're like, how did this happen? How does this thing that looks monochromatic all of a sudden reflect the light of the sun and become a rainbow? Because that's what love does, right? Love shines in and shows that all this diversity comes together and makes one big glorious thing that is so beautiful and so ephemeral it feels not of this world, right? Pure joy, pure love. That's what we need to strive for. That's what we're going to get back to, okay? 
So thank you for listening to me again. Episode 68, the Noel Kassler Podcast. Find me at noelkassler.com. Come and see me in August. West Coast, I'm coming for you. I'm working it out now. I'm going to come out and see you. But in the meantime, if you're in the Northeast, come to Cape Cod, West Yarmouth, August 3rd. Listen to the podcast. Check me out online. Take care of yourselves. I love you, folks. Peace.